find each other. conversation with Common Sense, I have the pleasure of speaking with Olympian Justin Gatlin. The Orlando, Florida native is an Olympic gold medalist in the 100 meter dash with a personal best of 9.74 seconds. Is that correct? Yes. He's a two times world indoor champion in the 60 meter dash at the 2012 Olympic trials. He ran a time of 9.8 seconds, which is the fastest ever time for a man over age 30. Also in the 2012 Olympics in London, he got his bronze medal in the 100-meter final. And in 2014, he was a world leader in the 200-meter, where he won his race in 19.68 seconds in Monaco. So it's just an absolute pleasure, man, to have him on the show. Justin, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, thank you for having me, man. Let's just go ahead and jump in. Just tell us, man, how did it all, you know, how did it all get started? You know, where did it all uh, begin for Justin as far as track and field goes? What basically piqued your interest as far as getting involved in track and field? You know, I think I have a more of an orthodox story. You know, I never really was that kind of kid growing up and wanted to be a professional Olympian or a track runner, you know, at, at a young age. You know, um, in high school, I really got interested in it. Actually, in middle school, I was interested in running organized track didn't keep the grades up, so then <laughs> my mom pulled me off the team, and then I had to learn how to balance between academics and sports. Okay. And then from there, I went into high school, and I pretty much honed in my craft. 
other than that, you know, I was like, you know, I just, each time I kind of want to be the best within the, a realistic realm. Yeah. You know, I want to be the fastest in the school, and then I want to be the fastest in, you know, in the state, and then I want to be the fastest in the nation. So each step I kind of like, I did that. So you just naturally had like a natural inclination just for racing and things as a youth? Yeah, I've always been a competitive person. You know, I think one thing that kind of um, at a young age deterred me from football or sports in the South, you know, was um, I was better than athletes that were in front of me, as in grades. You know, um, I was like a sophomore, and then there was a guy who was like a junior or senior, and I was a better free safety than he was. But they still played him, you know, and I didn't understand why. You know, and I was like, well, don't you want the best on the field? And they was like, sure, but, you know, he's a junior or senior, so he has seniority over you. Plus, uh-huh. you know, I didn't realize that that's his only opportunity to be able to get, you know, to college yeah. at that point in time. I wasn't thinking like that, you know? So yeah. I understand that now. But I was always a competitor. That's my heart. Now, uh, in high school, you were uh, running the 110-meter uh, hurdles. That's where you were dominating in high school, but when Coach uh, Billy Webb recruited you, he saw a potential in you as a sprinter. Was it, uh, and of course, uh, Webb's prediction happened to be correct because you went on to win six consecutive NCAA titles. Was it difficult for you to go from jumping the hurdles to sprinting? Was it a, uh, how was that transition for you? Well, I actually was recruited by Vince Anderson, uh, who was a sprinter and hurdle coach at the time at University of Tennessee. He coached the women into um many SEC, many uh, SEC um, championships and he crossed over and started coaching the guys. Oh, okay. And I was one of his guys. He got picked. I, I got picked to be able to be on the team with. And from there, you know, he picked me as a hurdler. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he saw me at high school nationals and I begged a meat motor there to let me run the 100. And I did. He saw me. And after that, he, he wouldn't let me be a hurdler anymore. <laughs> and he saw my speed. Okay. But, you know, the, the way I became a hurdler is because my high school coach, you know, we had about maybe eight guys who could sprint, you know, so we had at least two relays worth of, of sprinters. And I was still the fastest out of all of them, but I was the only one who could also do hurdles. And how track and field set up is by points. So, you know, coming in first, you get, you know, you get 10 points, yeah. then second is eight, then, you know, third is six and so on and so on. So my coach, high school coach, looked at it as, okay, I can score more points by having a fast hurdler who scores 10 points, and then any one of our sprinters can score another 10 points. So we're adding on points. It wasn't about who was the fastest and let the fastest man win. There was enough sprinters, so they needed to get those points over there as far as hurdles go. So that's where you came in. Exactly, Um, yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. Now, I know you've gone on and you've represented the U.S., of course, proudly in the Olympics on several occasions. How is that? I know it's a big stage and everything where you got the press and the fanfare. How is that whole, you know, Olympic experience just being there is the, you know, the level of preparation and, and that it takes to get there and the competition and pressure? Coming from, you know, being an NCAA champ, how would you compare the pressure on the NCAA level with that on being at the Olympics and the experience as a whole? Man, um, it's way different, but it, for me, it was actually the same because my first NCAA venture out, I won the one and the two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it wasn't no real pressure on me. All I knew was to go out and win, 
And the same thing with the Olympics. The first time I went to the Olympics, I won. Yeah. So, you know, it, I never had that pressure on me to say, oh, man, I have to go out here and win. Or I messed up the last time I was at NCAAs, or I messed up the last time I was at the Olympics, and I pressure's on me now. So I went out there with a light heart and just talent on my mind, ambition, drive, and I, I got the job done. So I think that I rose to each occasion. I think college Justin, obviously, you know, he probably would have been really starstruck, yeah. you know, going into Olympic realm. But I evolved to being a professional athlete very quickly. And then once I did that, you know, I was prepared for an Olympic caliber race. I can hear your focus. This next cut I'm about to play is from an artist out of the West Coast, Spaz. He's a Grammy-nominated writer. He's written for some of your hottest bands such as Diddy, Snoop Dogg, Day 26, Whitney Houston, and more. Straight out of California, this is Assassin. Don't go anywhere now. You're listening to Conversations with Karma Sense. Talking to the fastest man in the world, Justin Gatlin. And you're talking with T. I swear to say 
what helped out with that professionalism? You know, like, you know, was it you and your mental state why you didn't get necessarily intimidated by that big stage? Or were you, you know, the preparation in college, did that help prepare you, you know, just kind of build those mental and physical training habits in you that when you got to this level, you were already, basically you were made for it? Well, two things. One, I was told at a young age, and I tell other young athletes, never let the moment be bigger than you. You create the moment. We create history. So when I went into the situation of the 100-meter finals, you know, I said, you know what? Let me go out here and just not be a spectator but be a competitor. Yeah. And I did so. And the other thing is that um, in 2003, that's when I first turned professional. I got an injury, a hamstring injury. But the USA team brought me on to Paris where the world championships was. And I was able to see what it was to be on a, a bigger stage in this NCAAs. So watching 50,000 people in the stands, you know, I was prepared to run in front of 80,000 people the next year, 2004. Yeah. So I wasn't awestruck anymore. I understood that a big stage was really, truly a big stage. Oh, man. And I'm sure that gave you an advantage being there and being able to already, you know, been in the element. And that way, like you said, when you got on the track, it was like being a fish in water. So that right there, man, that's that's definitely good as far as bringing that over and, and, and having that prep before, even though you were out, you were still basically preparing to race. So you were always racing in a sense, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. So how did it feel, man, I wanted to ask you as far as, like, you know, getting your first gold Olympic gold medal and, you know, the title uh, at fastest man in the world. How was that, you know, at the time for that? Because you were young. You know, of course, to like, you know, me to be so young and, and be there and to get that to such a big accolade. How did how did you, you know, how did that make you feel? How did you handle it? It was surreal, man. I mean, I, you probably can ask a lot of my college teammates. I mean, one, pretty much one day I'm in college, the next day, like, they turn the TV on and I'm running professional races. Yeah. You know, so I was thrown into a professional element, you know, um, and I just had to survive and I did. But the surrealness was winning the Olympic gold medal but still having to compete in more races right after that. You know, I, I think a lot of people would have been like, oh, man, I'm going to wear this I'm gonna wear this medal around my neck, around the <laughs> stadium, and, uh, you know, all through all the venues and show everybody. I couldn't do that because I still had to compete. So I had to set, I literally had to wrap the ribbon up, wrap the medal up, put it in the side pouch of my, of my book bag, and still keep on competing for other medals. So I really never had a chance to uh, enjoy or yeah. gloat or say I'm the man, you know. I really had to go out there and still compete, you know. But it, it feels good. It feels good to wake up every morning and be able to see this medal or be able to walk into the trophy room and see how much I accomplished. Yes. But but during the season, you didn't have no time to admire the trophies. It's all about the grind. Oh, done. When I, when I got my gold medal at the Olympics in 2004, I didn't run no more races that season after the Olympics was over. I went back home. <laughs> You know, had celebrated with family members and friends, and I just prepared myself for the next season undefeated. So we're going to talk about, of course, the photo finish you had with uh, Usain Bolt by .01 of a second. That's in uh, was the August the twenty third of this year, uh, and the title of fastest man in the world. Like me and, of course, my wife discussed. It seems to always bounce back between you and Bolt, and no one else gets in on that. 
So you guys are kind of just shut. <laughs> you guys are just shut everybody else out. Like they're just no one else can get that title. How is it? You know, uh, competing. You know, on that level. You know, Magic Johnson had Larry Bird sort of as a nemesis. You know, Michael Jordan he turned it up a notch whenever the Bulls played the Knicks, Pistons. You know, Pace, Pacers. Name a team. You know, Jordan was there. Um, is is both kind of that guy that brings out that extra competitiveness in you? Oh, definitely. You know, I would say. At this point in my life, he has been the toughest competitor I've ever had to face. But I think that I've taken on the responsibility to be the same for him, you know? Yes. So I can't let him I can't let him run the gauntlet. I can't let him run the board, run the table on us, you know what I mean? So, and being us, I mean United States. Right now, we're going to get into some more music. This next track is by Boris Blues Rogers. He's a three-time Emmy Award-winning slam poet. You've seen him doing NASCAR. He's been on Disney Radio, and he's opened up for Gil Scott Heron, Outkast. Man, he's been everywhere doing voiceovers for the NFL, for the NCAA. I mean, the name of the song is called Us Be. And trust me, this is a hot track right here, man. So for all my poetry heads out here, you don't want to miss this one right here. Stay tuned. You're listening to Conversations with Carmen Sense, fastest man in the world, Justin Gatlin, and you're talking with T. Good eating, drunk uncle, bad dancing to good music. Us, 
us be a reason for existence, us be good loving, you are beautiful, me, a hard scar across face, us be picture perfect, framed for a love affair, set up as pawns in God's master plan, us couldn't plan to be in love, no better, us, more better. Something timeless. A first thing yeah. I heard when the first love was made. Us be hip hop heartbeat. House party, red light basement. Sometimes. Sometimes yeah. us be ill communication. Often lost in translation. But decipher our meaning through our eyes. Us. Us be more better blue sometimes. A good Spike Lee movie curled up on couch. Waiting for the message. Sometimes the message is so easy. Us, us be too easy. You, us be true. You are breath on my chest. I am fingers through your hair. Us be forever. Sometimes. Not just a Usain versus Justin thing, you know. It's a it's a pride of each country, yes. you know. And I have so much respect for Jamaicans and the people who work very hard, especially in the Caribbean countries. How tough they have growing up to be able just to accomplish one dream, yes. you know. But you know, when I go out there, it's all about the red, white, and blue. That's what I'm. That's what I'm out there for. So when we compete, I'm competing against Usain and. You know, if he beats me here, you know, I'm going to make sure that I win the Diamond League trophy. Right. And that's what I did. You know, he won Worlds, but I won the Diamond League trophy. And vice versa. There's been times where I beat him, he's gone on win the Diamond League, you know. But I think as, as runners, we have to take the opportunity, as competitors, we take the opportunity and stand up and say, you know what, this is my time. And by you saying it, you speaking it into the air. This is my time. Yeah. So now you going on autopilot or subconsciously working working so hard, you're working your butt off to say, this is my time. I am the man now. I have to go out there and do it. But there's been opportunities where Usain or myself could, I, could have been beat by other people other than ourselves. And I don't think other athletes have seized that opportunity because they've been like, okay, well, it's their show. Yeah. You know? And I, I welcome them. I welcome the stand-up because it makes it a better race. Yes. It makes it more exciting. People are willing to watch more, and I don't think anybody wanted to be a professional athlete and not win a gold medal, right. you know, or not be the man. You know, it, it's a lot of ego that's involved being a male sprinter. You you <laughs> always feel like you're the man. It's almost like being a rapper, you know what I mean? Yeah. No rapper goes out there and says, I'm the, I'm the third best rapper in the world. No, they'd be like, my lines and my skills are the best. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So it's the same thing as to be a sprinter. It's like, I am the fastest, I am the best. It just so happens that I just got beat that day, but I'm still the best, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah, and I, I can definitely say that. And when I watch the race, I'm like, yeah, these these two, you represent the U.S. and Jamaica proudly, you know, uh, respectfully you and uh, Usain Bolt. <laughs> 
But you see that just con competitiveness, man. And But, you know, it's always cool to see that afterwards you guys are able to shake hands and, and hug it up and just respect each other. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't in that arena. They don't really understand the pressure and the things that you guys are necessarily under. Not anything that, you know, pressure as far as uh, breaking you. But, hey, you know, you, you guys are putting your bodies under high demand, hard demand. So. Man, it's, 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 it's time to show love around the world, man. It's, it's so much hate, so much negativity. And I understand that a lot of that kind of stuff, and people want to see that. It's, it's exciting. But, you know, let's show love for each other. Because only for the because we work so hard. Yes. Man, we work so hard day in, day out to be able for for that moment, the nine seconds. So when I cross the line, if he wins, more power to him. He got me that day. You know, and if I win, he congratulates me. You know, but at the end of the day, we both know that we, we're hardworking men. Right. And we are trying to accomplish, not only set and make history, but we're trying to put food on our table for our family, man. And yeah. only thing you can really do for a guy of that caliber and respect, regardless if he's on TV or if he's just working behind the scenes, is show love for someone like that because they're working so hard. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Like, it's it's like uh, almost being like a fraternity. Like, others don't really understand. Like, yeah, we might compete against each other, but we got each other's back. We understand. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. man. Now, you were talking about the hard work and everything, and I, and I know they say sometimes that, you know, if age comes wisdom, I know I, as I got older, uh, being involved in martial arts, I, you know, you may not as be, now, I still got my speed, don't get it wrong, but, you know, you may not be as, you know, as fast as you used to, but you kind of pick up a little bit, you know, you, you kind of become more of a thinking person, so to speak. You know, you become more cerebral as far as your athleticism. Uh, after a brief layoff, uh, you returned to 2012 and you ran a time of 9.8 seconds in the 100-meter dash during the Olympic trials. And, of course, like we said uh, before, that was the fastest time ever for a man over 30. Um, how does, you know, being 30, you know, how does that compare to you in your youth, so to speak? Do you feel like that you got, you know, wiser when you, you know, as you age, that it made you a smarter, you know, athlete as far as taking care of your body and preparation? Like how, you know, how does being an older athlete, so to speak, how, you know, I guess I'll say it this way. Um, older Justin versus the younger Justin advantages, you know, any as far as getting older and getting wiser? Uh, Aaliyah, Aaliyah has said best, man. Age is nothing but a number. <laughs> you know, for me, you know, I feel like a 26, 27-year-old when it comes to body-wise. You know, I'm wise like a 33-year-old. Yes. You know, um, I'm like you said, I'm the oldest, fastest guy in the world in history, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, look at, <laughs> I don't look at myself as that. You know, I look at myself as just a competitor, a top competitor like anybody else. Right. You know, I got I just have a, a couple more gray hairs in my head, you know, than anybody else. But I just take care of my body. I eat better. I watch portion controls. I've come to terms with who I really am, and I'm an older I'm an older athlete. So by being an older athlete, I have to recognize some bad habits that I have and correct those bad habits if I want to stay in the sport that I'm in. Yeah, man. You know, because it's a young man's sport. But the only thing that, you, that I have over the young men, that that wisdom, that uh, trial and error, you know, they make mistakes, rookie mistakes, young people mistakes. And that's the time that I got to capitalize on those. And that's what I do. Yeah. I understand that. Taking care of your body. You can't. Can't eat the hot dog like you used to. It don't. It don't. It don't hit your body the same way it did when you was a kid. You used to eat them and then go back out oh, and run. Man. 
Yeah. Exactly. I, <laughs> I usually eat one. I eat one and I immediately cry because I, you know, I feel so guilty <laughs> by eating it. <laughs> I have some more music for you guys. Right now we're going to get into a song by Tank and the Bangers, straight out of Louisiana. This is an internationally known band right here, guys. And they even had a placement on So You Think You Can Dance. And Tank, man, she came from that spoken word background. And I, I knew of her when she was in the spoken word uh, world predominantly, man. And she's hot. And the band itself, man, they're on fire. So this song right here is called Rhythm of Life. Check it out, man. Don't go anywhere now. I have some more coming up for you. You're listening to Conversations with Karma Sense. And you're talking to the fastest man in the world, Justin Gatlin. And you're talking with T. You knew from the start that you're walking and you gotta do it by yourself. It's the rhythm of life. When you hum and you sing all the words that you don't know, it's the rhythm of life. When you're grabbing, you're touching and loving him, you don't know. The moment you got your first car, the places it took you telling me how far.
you know, it's, it's a hard work. You know, when, when people are asleep, I'm up doing sit-ups, push-ups. I'm over there thinking about how I can be the best I can be, no matter what. Yeah. Speaking of that, like, what is that, you know, as far as the training goes for you? Describe, like, a, a typical day for you. Like, what gets you focused to train? Is it, you know, is it music, you know? What, what gets you pumped up for the day? Man, on a daily basis, it's almost autopilot. I go out there and I, I, I might say, man, I want to work on my arm swing today. You know, things, I, I look back at old races from the year before and I think about how can I be a better athlete. Where in my form, my competitive form, I can be a better athlete. And each, each day I go and work on those things for the whole time, throughout the whole season, preparing myself for competition, I work on small things. And of course, you know, music plays a big part in it. My teammates being younger than me, you know, they keep me lively. You know, I think as an athlete, it's not always that you lose it physically. The first thing usually goes is the mental, the passion for it. Yeah. You know, if you still physically can do it, you have to watch out because the mental part and the passion for it can leave. And you want to be a family man or be like, man, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do all this fall training anymore. It hurts, makes me throw up. I get pains. Everyone wants to compete for the rest of their life, you know? Yeah. If they can just teleport themselves to the starting line or teleport themselves onto the field somehow without having to go through all the fall training, everyone would do that. But you can't. you got to run the gauntlet every year. you got to reset yourself every year, and that's the hard part. I can see that being the hard part because that's the mental part is that every year you got to get that get up and go right back again to, hey, you know what, it's time to do it again. Like, it's like preparing exactly. for a fight. Yeah, I can see that. And, I mean, when that training, of course, is strenuous, is, like you said, you're working on mechanics, you're working on, you know, you're cycling, you're training, you're taking care of your body. Uh, when, you know, when that's over, what, you know, how do you unwind? Are you a Netflix person, music person, or are you just, you know what, put me in a quiet room and just let me listen to nothing? I'm a little bit everything, man. I'm a, I'm a, I explore, you know, so it could be Netflix day, Usually what I do is I kind of like shows I want to watch because uh -huh. I travel so much. I wait for that show or that season to go off, and then I binge watch it. If I'm overseas or even at home, yes. you know, I binge watch it, you know. So I'll sit up with my girlfriend, and we'll be like, hey, you ready to watch How to Get, get Away with Murder? Or <laughs> yep. ready to watch some Scandal? Or Walking Dead, come on tonight, you know. So I've been in the shows more because it kind of takes you away from your everyday repetitiveness, and it takes you into this fantasy world of... And you're able to have something to talk about with your significant other, yeah. you know, at home instead of saying, how was your day? Same day, babe. Hurt, <laughs> sweaty, tired. <laughs> yes. So, but it feels it feels good to be able to get away from that. And then we go on, you know, I, with my homeboys and my teammates, we go on little adventures. You know, we go around the city, find like little hole-in-the-wall eateries we can find that can have some good food. Same thing when I travel, when I go overseas and we compete. You know, we kind of go off the grid a little bit, you know, where they usually cater for us at different races and competitions. We yeah. actually go out and eat and mingle with the culture a little more. See, I go out into the streets and actually get the real live experience. Man, how can you go somewhere like a Monaco or a Paris or a, a Brussels and say that you, you've been there every year, but you've never experienced the culture? Yeah. You know, you don't, you're robbing yourself, you yeah. know, so... Each year, you know, we go out and experience something new out of these different cities and different uh, countries. And so when you guys are there, you're exploring the city and, you know, you're checking out the good food, the, you know, the, the native food, the culture. 
uh, when you're not on your diet and everything, because I know, like you said, portion control, but when you don't have to necessarily control your portions, do you have a favorite cheat meal? I know every athlete, you know, we're on that, but when it's time to, you know, we got that specific thing that when we don't have to necessarily make weight or necessarily compete right off, we'll, we'll like, we like to have a little bit of it. What's yours? Uh, I would say chocolate, man. I'm a chocolate kind of guy. I don't know. It's something about them sweets, man. It keeps coming <laughs> back. But, <laughs> but meal-wise, I, I, I'm go, I go with the flow, man. Like, I, I'll tell you, because I'm so on point how I eat, during, especially during the season, or what I drink, especially during the season. The day I got back from the end of this last season, 2015, I woke up, I ate waffles, which I never really eat, for breakfast, for lunch. I ate a hamburger and french fries, and then for dinner, I ate pizza. Wow. <laughs> so I got all the cheat meals out of the way as, as quick as possible. In one day, you know? yes. So, <laughs> Knocked all the cheat meals out in one day. Yep, exactly. Now, you know I have to ask you, of course, about your binge watching before you move on. What are you watching? Because it's always interesting to see uh, when I speak to artists, when I speak to athletes, what they're watching, what they're listening to. What are you, what's, what, what are you binge watching now? How to get away with murder, man. Oh, man. How are you um, liking it? So I just finished. I just finished watching season one, <laughs> like yesterday. Oh. So I'm already like about season. I'm already on episode like five from season on season two. So I've been watching that, going back and forward, cleaning the house because I got to do. I still got to help do the chores around the house. You yes. know, I can't sit around as much as I want to, but do all that. How to get away with murder, Walking Dead, the new show called Quantico. Yeah. Watching that. Nice. Uh, so a little bit of everything, man. I like I like action. I like good dialogue. I like uh, an intelligent show that makes you think. But I like action. Man. I'm an action kind of guy. Okay, so you're like a 24. That was your show. Did you watch 24? I didn't. So that's my next thing. I'm gonna take on the road this year. 24. Uh, yes. Um, this past season, well, I actually watching Gotham too, but. I got my girl hooked on. I don't know if you know the HBO show Oz. Yes. Or Sopranos, things like that. So we watch good shows like that. Yeah, those shows are. Just are, finished are... watching The Wire. Just oh, finished yeah. watching The Wire for the first time. So it's crazy. Speaking of crazy, we got another track from the artist Spaz out of the West Coast, man. This one right here is called Straight Jacket. I think you're going to love it. Now, I don't go anywhere now. We got some more coming up for you. This is Conversations with Karma Sense. You're talking to the fastest man in the world, Olympic gold medalist Justin Gatlin. And you're talking with T. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss this. Why should I stay So why am I alone? I'm going crazy 
I'm going crazy. I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. Just put me in a straitjacket. Just put me in a straitjacket. No. Oh, so you got some good stuff. You're going to be busy for a while, man. <laughs> got a wish list, man. That's all I asked for Christmas. I was like, look, these are shows I want. Download them onto a drive and get them to me wrapped up in a gift, and I'll be happy. Uh, you're going to be happy. Everything you named, you like action. You like, you know, I'm a film guy like yourself, man. So you mentioned Oz. You mentioned those, The Wire. Yeah, you guys you gonna, you guys got lots of uh, nice entertainment in your future, so I wouldn't yeah. be worried about that. Now, are you looking forward to anything, you know, in the new year, 2016 is coming up, and a lot of people there big on, you know, uh, setting New Year's resolutions, so to speak. And I know, but, you know, when you're a professional, when you're, you know, really about yours, you kind of can't really wait for the new year. But is there anything you're building towards as far as uh, wanting to accomplish or anything that's driving you in 2016? How do you want to, in a sense, leave your mark on the world in this coming year? You know, I'm in a sport that's high-powered. It's all about speed. So sometimes you kind of overlook the small things and kind of focus on the big things. So this season I'm really trying to zone in on the small things. It could be small muscles, you know what I mean, to strengthen my bigger muscles, yes. to help me run faster, to help me fatigue less. You know, small things, man. I mean, it can it can be almost anything. You know, oh, yes. taking time out to talk to fans on the internet more, socialize with people. You know, more of a be more personal. Right. You know, and that's who I am. But it's just so hard sometimes. Just to you get overwhelmed with so much stuff going on, and then you're also fighting with man. I just want to be a normal person. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. I don't get a chance to be able to balance it out equally, you know, and be able to uh, give uh, inspiration to fans who've never met me before. So I'm going to try to work on that kind of too. It's almost like as artists, as athletes, because athletes essentially are artists. We, you know, we, we do so much in the public face that when you get that little alone time, people don't understand that you're so introverted that you just want to be in the house by yourself, buck the popcorn, uh, you know, we see public, you know, we see Justin Gatlin out here, but the truth of the matter is he really just wants to go home, kick his feet up, and, and watch Oz or watch, you know, The Wire. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not even that, that we just want to be left alone. It's more about, with, with, with growth, it comes, you gotta, you got to search within yourself. Because yeah. we always are steadily evolving. We're always steadily thinking how to be a better person, you know. And as a, an athlete or an artist, you don't get a chance to do that because when you're in the public eye, you have to act a certain way and be a certain way act according, you know? Yeah. So by being home and being away from, you know, the public for a while, you're able to say, you know what, I do like this or I don't like that and this is making me a better person or I really realize, like, I like this as a hobby, I'm going to start doing this. Right. So this season, you know, um, I was heavy into art, you know, drawing, mixed media, and I was pushed by friends and family members to, to pick it back up. So that's what I'm going to work on, too. Once the show is, uh, ends, as they say, once you retire your jersey and, you know, hang your jersey in the rafters, as they like to say, well, in track and field, in your track and field days, as far as being a sprinter uh, are over, do you see yourself being involved, you know, in the sports in some way, whether it be broadcasting, whether it's, you know, or even coaching? Do you still, or do you just want to, hey, you know what, it's time to relax? Oh, of course. You know, I, even right now, you know, I help out a lot of young athletes with tips and how to better themselves. It might be on a physical level. It might, yes. they might ask for advice on a financial level. 
but you know, I see myself working within the within the sport still. I don't right now. I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't see myself as a coach. Oh, you know, okay. but I, I could grow to that. You know, I can have an itch for being a coach. You know, or I can be an agent, or I can just start a whole new revolution and hopefully maybe start an American Track League. You know, so yes. where it's just teams and people can cheer for teams of, of track and field. So I just hope that I'm I'm able to stay in the sport and still have love and passion for the sport like I do and be able to give back to the sport and make it grow better. Yes, I, I think it's something real uh, interesting that you said about, you know, you don't see culture for yourself because, you know, I speak to, to these high-level athletes and you're thinking, hey, you know, the natural transition in my mind is, hey, going over to coaching. But when you talk to a lot of these guys, they're like, oh, I don't know if it's my thing. And I'm thinking, hey, you're the champion. You've done this, that, and the third. And they're like, yeah, but coaching is a bit of a different beast. It's, it's, it's being a teacher. It's an emotional aspect that I think that a lot of professional athletes don't have when they're still competing, you know? Yeah. To be a professional athlete, you got to be a little stingy. you got to be a little selfish. You know, you got to worry about yourself. And to be a, a great coach, you've got to be able to give a part of you to each one of your students. Right. So when they're happy and they won, you're happy and you won. When they're sad and they lost or they didn't make the team, guess what? You're sad and you've lost because you represent them and they represent you. You know, so that's something I can't see myself doing at this point in time because it's an emotionally draining situation. I've seen my coach go through it with me. I've seen coaches go through it with other athletes. You know, sometimes you see these coaches sitting down on the sideline crying too. You know, <laughs> yeah, because man. They know how hard they, they know how hard they work. They, well, those are the people that are out there with you every day. Yeah. So you're never alone. You might feel alone when you're on the starting line, but it's been that guy who's been with you the whole time wishing the best for you and training you to be the best you can be. Yeah. So he wants to see you do the best. It looks like a solo sport on a track, but realistically in life, it, it's, it takes so many people. It takes a team to make it happen. Exactly. Now, if, if you never became an sprinter, if, if you never, you know, were the Olympic gold medalist, fastest man in the world, you never even, you know, showed interest in track and field, or let's say it didn't necessarily pan out, what would you be doing today? What could you see yourself doing? Man... I'm an entertainer through and through, man, you know, um, and my son has taken on that trait. <laughs> he thinks he's a class clown right now, and I got to teach him to be a better, better uh, more diligent when it comes to listening in the classroom, but I think that I'll be an actor, or either I'll be, maybe, I like wrestling. I know it's a lot of acting that goes into wrestling, and it's physical, too, so I think it'll be right down my alley. Okay. I'll be a professional wrestler, man, or I'll be in Hollywood somewhere trying to uh, get in some of these movie roles. Okay. So we might uh, see, because, you know, a lot of professional athletes, they do make the roll over to the, the WWE and, you know, those big, like you said, those uh, wrestling federations. So that actually would be interesting to see. And it would be nat natural, tra uh, natural transition being an athlete already. Because a lot of people think it's just, yeah, they think it's just fake. And then you realize, no, these guys are real athletes. Oh, yeah, they get really hurt. Yeah, real they get hurt. Real <laughs> bruises. <laughs> it's all, it, it might be determined already who's the winner but those, those are real slams out there yes those are real slams uh now do you have any any you know secrets to your success or any words of wisdom that you can share that may help others stay motivated or keep pushing towards their goals and aspirations or is there anything that kind of keeps you motivated when you you know maybe you question yourself or you may you know we all have that little bit of doubt that may try to linger in our minds and be like hey what if i'm wasn't good enough, or what if this doesn't happen? What keeps you focused? My thing is, I'll tell young athletes, don't get caught up in the hype of being uh, 
being or beating someone better than you all the time. Okay. You know, don't go out there and, and help other people be entertained and help them accomplish their wish list, you know. Be a better you. And what I mean by that is each year my priority is to be a better Justin than last year. Yeah. And that means on the track and and away from the track. So by being a better Justin in life, being a better Justin when it comes to uh, being a father or just a young black man, growing myself with knowledge, but at the same time accepting who I am and knowing who I am physically as well. Like, okay, I'm sl- I slacked on sit-ups last year. I need to do a better job on sit-ups, and then will contribute and help me out when it comes to uh, competing. to show a better competitive aspect of myself, yes. you know, to the world. So I would tell these young athletes, challenge yourself. Don't worry about the other seven guys on the, on the line or the other seven ladies on the line. Challenge yourself. Be the old you. If you were happy with the old you or you wasn't unhappy with the old you, beat that person. Be better. Don't get caught up in the hype. Your only competition is yourself. Each year. Because at the end of the day, guess what? There's no pressure. It's like almost going to practice. I want to go out there. I want to beat Justin. So I don't got to be nervous. I don't got to think about, oh, is Justin ready to race me? Because I am Justin. And that's your hardest competitor, yourself. Yeah. Because that's the first person you lie to is yourself. That's the first person you let down is yourself. But at the end of the day, when you go out and you win and you accomplish all your goals, you're so proud of yourself. So go out there and remember who you are and go out there and compete against yourself, better yourself. Great advice, man. Anything else you'd like to say to the listeners or, uh, you know, tell them where we can follow you on your social media, anything you'd like to tell us? Yeah, when it comes to athletics and track and field or just sports in general, if you have any questions or you want to give me your stories, man, inspire me and I can inspire you. You can hit me at, at justingatlin.com. Well, I mean, at Justin Gatlin on Instagram, Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. You can find me at www.justingatlinusa. That'll be my website as well. And also check out tracknation.com. It's a, a sister company that I work with. And... It's your voice. It's a platform for all of you people out there listening to be able to get your point across or find your find your space in the track and field community and we'll work on our other sports too, man. Justin, man, I want to, man, really say thank you so much, man, for coming on to the show. It was absolutely fun, man, conversing with you. I learned a lot of things about the sport. You know, I'm glad I didn't go there. I don't think I would have been built for it. You know, y'all <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking to y'all. I don't think I had that those genes in me, man. It just, you know, seems like you guys put yourselves to so much. But I, you know, I appreciate it, man. Um, I just appreciate, man, you coming onto the show, and and I thank you, man. No problem. Thank you for having me. You just got finished listening to Conversations of Karma Sense, talking to the fastest man in the world, Olympic gold medalist Justin Gatlin. And you're talking with T. Make sure you tune in for future broadcasts. Go to the website, www.talkingwitht.com. Check out the news stories going on there, man. And make sure to keep up with Talking With T every Monday at www.talkingwitht.com. You don't want to miss it. You got the Crazy Chronicles on there. You got Pam Boast. You got Jay Lawrence. It's amazing right now. So don't miss this. Check it out. www.talkingwitht.com. Every Monday. There. Fresh content. Fresh news. This is Conversations with Karma Sense. Signing off. And you're talking with T. I speak
sunset. Me dark horizon, us be a dawn, a slow warm rising into a hard orange, soft yellow, exit to a bright sky blue, you coke, me an aged Hennessy, us be an expensive drink, sipped slow from glass, crafted by the hands of a man who has never known either, us be rarity, us be cool, you beautiful baseline, me melody in the key of easy, us. Must be a classic song.